Hi there. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We'd like to take a moment to announce that we are launching a Patreon. You can find it at patreon.com slash TalkingTolkien. We'll also post it on our Facebook and Twitter. We'd appreciate it if you'd take a moment to check out the Patreon and hopefully give some money. Obviously, you don't need to give. We'd appreciate you sharing our podcast just as much. With just a little bit of extra funding, we'll be able to buy server space, equipment, and other necessities to help our podcast grow. Eventually, our plan is to offer other podcasts about other beloved works and overlooked classics. Thanks. Talking Tolkien. Yup. Finally meeting the Bard. Or yep. Bard. Sorry, it's just Bard. Yep, just Bard. Doesn't help that Bard and... and he has the name of a profession. That's yeah. like being named electrician. Exactly. Or, you know, Potter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know why that's what came to mind. Or Taylor. Tanner. I, I dated Tanner. I dated a Tanner for a while, and I always introduced, I always introduced him as, Hi, this is Tanner. He's he, a Tanner. No, I, I said, this is Tanner. He prepares leather for a living. I don't <laughs> think he found it funny. <laughs> But we read chapters, I don't remember, and I don't know. 14 and 15. (laughs) Um, And I'm Chase. And I'm Katie. And I am John. I, John, for a living. (laughs) I'm actually Jonathan, which is not a form of John, but rather a form of Nathan. I, Katie, for a living. And apparently my name means whom the Lord gave. Chase's name means Chase. Uh, <laughs> leader of men or something like that. It actually like it means leader of men. and Not yet... Chase Charles. No, like, Chase does. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Probably Charles, too. I don't know. There's so many like, people like, named Charles. Like, like Char- Char- Charlemagne. Yeah. 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 I think that Catherine means pure one. I think I've been told Catherine that the before, Great. but I don't know. Named after someone who had the Great. Actually, it was also. named after Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> okay, but oh, Catherine the Great also had supposedly had sex with horses. Yeah, I don't like to so associate I don't know myself with her. Really no, no. no. But anyway. She's an interesting figure, though. I mean, minor German princess becomes the Empress of Russia. We've had... This is a uh, history talk. And <laughs> we've had quite some time to recover after Desolation of Smog. We took so. a week yes. off. Yeah, we, so. yeah we, well, we had to... It didn't affect you because we doubled up on episodes. But exactly. we took a week off. So. But for us, uh, we, we, we had to take a step back after so what it's basically the been, horror. <laughs> it's basically been three weeks since we've read actually read The Hobbit, right? I think so. To listener, two weeks. But yeah. for us, for, yeah, for, for us, for, for us, it felt like we're a, just a confusing drought. the listener on that yeah, one. Yeah, we're confusing the listener. Okay. Don't don't mind us. We're on our own uh, timeline. Last we uh, left the company. Gosh, it was so long ago. Well, it was, it was super. <laughs> it was a super lame. It was a super lame chapter because it was just them being afraid the dragon was going to come back, and that's it. There right. was nothing else to it. Last we left our company, um, we they were kind of skulking around the mountain and. There'll be skulking round the mountain <laughs> till Smaug comes. There'll be skulking round the mountain till Smaug comes. There'll be skulking round the mountain. Are you finished? And they're afraid. <laughs> and they're they just afraid. afraid that Smaug was going to come back. And eventually they decided to... They'll be riding oh. the pony till Smaug comes. They found the Arkenstone, or at least Bilbo did. That right. did that happen. Was seven that weeks ago. That, yeah, that was before. But oh, was yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so TLDR Smaug is flying off to Lake Town, and the dwarves are like, "Well, it's been two days, and we don't know what's going on, so we're gonna poke our heads outside." Now, at the beginning of chapter fourteen, 
Uh, the narrator says, what, well, to find out what happens to Smaug, we have to go skip back in time a few days. Mm -hmm. And so basically he, everybody in Lake Town is, they see like a twinkling in the mountain. They're like, oh my God, the king of the mountain has relit the forges. <laughs> okay. People, people from Lake Town do not sound like Georgia Peaches. <laughs> but it's so awesome to think about if they oh, did. It's like no. the uh, no, it is not. I'm sorry. I was I was basing that off of Amy Poehler from the SNL Colonel Angus. I was about to say Bard. I just now imagine Bard is Christopher. Chris. Uh, wait, hold on. Chris Walken. Chris Walken from that same bit. Now you've ruined everything. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they they see the kind of lights in the distance and think that it's the king under the mountain forging gold. Um, except for there's one dissenter who is constantly described as having what? a grim face. He is a naysayer. And a very grim a, outlook. Yes, he's a naysayer. He is constantly a sayer of nays. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, not not to be confused with a horse. That could be. No, that's a good one. <laughs> that could also be a name that is a profession. If you name your son naysayer. Why would you name your son naysayer? Uh, because that's you have just a grim setting outlook. him up for negativity. <laughs> I don't know. Why would you name your son Adolf? People still do it. Well, this is a common name. Anyway. Anyway, <laughs> Bard says, nope, that's a dragon. Um, How do you know this, Bard? Well, he, you know, he just has a hunch, I guess. He's, Puts away his Middle Earth yeah. phone with, uh, with <laughs> what? He, 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 <laughs> he holds his Pokedex to the sky <laughs> and says, Smaug, number 153, dragon Pokemon. That'd be super legendary, wouldn't it be? It's mine uh, now. Yeah. Although, I mean, if he's a dragon Pokemon, realistically, he'd be more like number 149 Dragonite. That's a good point. Anyway, but, but anyway, they realize that Bard is correct. This is, in fact, the dragon coming off the mountain, and now everybody starts freaking out. So the first thing, Running they, do, the first thing they do is, like, sink the bridge. Yeah, yeah which, that was weird. Which, was, which is an odd choice, yeah. don't you think? Float the town! Float it! <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, you know, they have this one connection to land where... Yeah, well, I mean, because, you know, clearly they, they've decided that, you know, most of them anyway, they're not going to run. They're going to stay and fight. Um, so why would you burn your only bridge to Did shore? they burn it? I feel like... like I feel or they sunk it, yeah. I feel like the bridge was probably more. like a series of pontoon... Not pontoons. Uh, a series of... Uh, no, it's like boats. Yeah, yeah. 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 I feel like it's yeah. like a series of piers mm -hmm. with, um, like the the platform like tied to them that they yeah. could quickly untie and then sink and sink based on based on the the the, the, the bridges that julius caesar built when he was exploring sorry mm -hmm. i'm getting away but but the the main question is like why would you i don't know it, it I, does, I've, ne I've never understood it, it does say that that smog was like disappointed that they did this yeah because he doesn't want to get near the well, because the if he, if, the, he, if he tries to attack people directly in the town, it's like too close to the water and too dangerous for him to be there. Yeah. But I don't understand. Like, it's not like he could just cross the bridge, could he? I mean, I don't. He's a big I dumb dragon. I mean, he's, he's, fly, he's, pretty, he's pretty large. He's pretty big. Pretty big worm. Um. So I don't. Yeah, I don't think that he would be able to actually land on that bridge. But for whatever reason, unbeknownst to us, they have but, sunk the but bridge. But be to Smaug. But be known to Smaug, perhaps, or and certainly be known to the people of Lake Town. Or just our nice narrator has chosen not to tell us. Uh, Laketonians. Uh, Laketonians. Yes, there we go. It's appropriate. They sink the bridge and they prepare all of their archers and they get buckets of water so that they can, you know, douse fires, which are surely to come because dragon. Um, I just so, so pop quiz. What are the archers using? What are they using? Yes. I don't know. What do archers usually use? Bows and arrows. Bows and oh. arrows. They're not using these weird like, 
like heirloom, you know, twisted metal spike oh, yeah. arrows. Oh, I had forgotten. I had forgotten. Yeah, that, that's right. I noticed because, that too when I was reading this chapter. Is like they he mentioned he mentioned a specific arrow, this, but it like, seemed like a great an, iron arrow from. But it was, but it wasn't like yeah. stupid. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't stupid. Which you know we'll come to that later. But um, so you know, in spite of the Lake Tonians having prepared as best as they can. Um, it they doesn't... Pre- they prepared asbestos? Do they know about the health risks? <sighs> I'm going to choose to ignore that. Uh, it doesn't help very much. Um, Smaug basically flies over, uh, avoids getting too close, because again, as we said earlier, he would, you know, the lake will swallow him up or whatever. Um, sets the entire town on fire, and, you know, all of the archers, all of their arrows, of course, bounce right off his body, which is still encrusted with, like, jewels and stuff, too. Now, it's been... A while since I actually read this chapter, I read it around the time we watched Desolation of Smog, the movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm I, something very odd starts to happen in the middle of this whole situation. A little bird mm-hmm. comes flooding. Little bird flut, comes fluttering down. Well, I mean, comes <laughs> fluttering down and sits on. Well, so, hold on. So like by this point, most of the town is burning, and most of the people have fled in boats, including the master. Yeah. Oh yeah. The but master, master is out. also trying to. Yeah. Uh but 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 Bard is saying to himself I'm going to fight to my last arrow and yeah. at this point yeah so little, Bard little, is down to his last arrow that little thrush comes down and hangs out on Bard's shoulder and and you know says remember that it's Taco Tuesday down <laughs> at <laughs> the cafetorium tells him find the weak spot there's a weak spot specific in, weak spot yeah in the hollow of the dragon's left breast and this is the thrush knows this because he was you know hanging out outside the mountain and he had heard all of the things that were going on um and of course bard can understand the thrush because bard is a descendant of i don't remember the name it started with a g yeah Girion. Girion. who was uh, from he was lord of dale lord of dale right as a, as a side note every time i hear thrush i just think we're talking about the fungal infection we know it's a birdie it's a cute little birdie <laughs> the fungal infection in his throat talk no to him. It's who's, t- who's sitting on bard so they're See, going you need to hit this specific spot also tweet tweet when i think thrush i think um like a hoof fungus in horses because you're both thinking of fungus but fungi. actually well, no right fungus. now that's right, I think, fungi. yeah it probably is the same fungus but actually, no, I think of a cute little birdie because that's what it is in the book. Okay. It's a cute little birdie. I didn't think in a million years this little thrush would be such an important character. So the last arrow just so happens to be, however, an arrow that he, that still was like, wasn't it an, an heirloom of, of, for of what, Dale? For whatever reason, it's referred to as the black arrow. Yeah, the black, black, black arrow. arrow. But that's it. Um, it. It's not. It's not referred to as being special beyond that. No, and, and he shoots it with the regular bow. Yeah, he shoots it with a regular bow. So yeah, and so it. You know, he sees the the chink in the dragon's armor, pulls his bow back to his ear, and lets it fly. And his aim is true. I feel like it's more of an anti chink, because when I think chink, I think like a dent. But if you look at a dent, it causes like a sparkle or a shine that's different from the regular pattern. And this is really like a an, an absence, absence of light. Of- Okay, well then it's a black hole. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I imagined it like if you were to breathe fire, it would be like erupting from it, and this like little bit would be like pfft, fire would be shooting. I don't so, know. So, so, so Smaug should have like a, a secondary fire eruption. Literally, okay. When, when I was actually reading this, I kind of thought of remember in Avatar, the flying creatures in Avatar, they got their yeah, weird like yeah, yeah. secondary air tubes uh-huh. on the side of their necks. Uh-huh. I thought of it like that a little bit. Okay. I mean, that's well, way wrong, I know. But <laughs> I just was thinking about it. Whatever the case, 
the black arrow uh, of Bard finds its way into that cavity and pierces the dragon's heart. And it goes, it seems like, I guess it goes pretty far and just basically, I mean, that's it. Smog's done. Yep. Like, he falls down, dies, the water extinguishes whatever fires inside of him and takes out a chunk of the town with him. That's it. Done. Yep. Done. And, yeah, so, and that line is, um, uh, that is the end of Smaug and Esgarath, but not of Bard. Um, yeah, and it's very fast. It's all over. Uh, Maybe, is, as you might say, dun-dun-dun-dun. Maybe men, maybe men are a little bit more powerful and a little bit more cunning than enemies who would be what? What the what? I'll hit him with my What I was getting at was no. It's oh my god! It's I'm gonna hit you with this trout. Wasn't that from the Amanda show? Yep. Or with this fish? Yep. Okay, back to the dragon. What I was getting at was somebody somewhere could be watching the situation going, hey, men are a little bit more industrious and able to take down giant dragons. That should be noted and concerned with in the future. This is me saying like Tolkien setting up his world stuff because mm -hmm. really the Hobbit's the first thing we've gotten with this world. And I can just imagine some people kind of going, maybe humans are kind of something to be worried about. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just me thinking. But yeah. Could be. I mean, is that the end of that chapter? Uh, not, so. No, not no. quite. It does no. like. There's, oh, there's, that's right. There's quite yeah. a bit more. Everybody regroups on the shore because that's where their like pastures and stuff are. Yeah, and there, there are about three quarters of the people from the town that are still like there and living. And 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 it's everybody's like, "All hail Bard! Bard is king!" And the master comes up and he's like, uh, "Excuse what? me, what? What? No!" Uh, in in Lake Town, we actually elect our representatives, and you elected me. Also, our representatives in Lake Town are supposed to be elderly and wise. Says the man who was the first person to flee by boat. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and he says that Esgaroth, this is how Esgaroth takes its leaders, and Bard can go back to Dale and rebuild Dale because that's where he's from. Um, and, and the so dragon's then, no longer there, so yeah. why not? And so then you can the, go with me or you can go with that guy. And to so, an actual civilization that might still kind of be able to be salvaged. And so what happens, but a lot of the people cheer, and they're like, yeah, we'll go with Bard. And the master's like, well, this is not going how I planned. So now he tries to draw attention away from that and starts to pin the blame of this whole uh, destruction of Esgaroth, of Lake Town, on the dwarves. The dwarves. Um, and so now the people forget their idea about getting a new king and Bard. Um, and now we're blaming the dwarves for waking the dragon. Of course, Bard instantly speaks up and says, you know, hey, we, should, we shouldn't be so quick to, to anger against them. And, you know, for all we know, they may be dead, the poor souls. And um, they do basically hold like an economic grip on this area now by inheriting that much gold, so. Right. And so now, he, now Bard think, then, as he's thinking about the dwarves, starts to think of the treasure and it's like, hey, we could rebuild the town. We could and, try to like, we could try to like, get them to sympathize with us at least somewhat to help like mutually like we could kickstart the city you can kickstart your fortress it'll all be good we'll be back to the old days right <laughs> so now the people are thinking okay yeah so we need to go uh take some of this treasure and rebuild the town um and so now bard is kind of for the for the time he's still working you know by virtue of the master saying like like all of it's it's really all of Bard's ideas here that are going, but he's saying yeah. like, 
this is all the like the master is suggesting all this because he's kind of uh, he his main goal is getting the town rebuilt and also he's thinking in the back of his mind to rebuild Dale as well. Yeah. So he start he's organizing the people into camps, um, and then he sends messengers to the elves to ask for help. But aren't the elves basically like on their way already? Yes. Because yes. word of Smog being killed went super fast. Yeah. Because well, of little birdies. Exactly. There are so many little birdies in this area, and all of the flying things are like in in a, in a tizzy right now because uh, Smog has died, and word is getting around fast. Shockingly, the part with Bayorn where they come in telling the story... Little by little, was it the most whimsical thing to be in this book? It's it's Funny all the birdies. Enough. Yeah, it's all the birdies. <laughs> I feel like this this book works in like whimsical stuff by uh-huh. threes, and it's like we've had the first one in the earlier part. I can't. Let's say it's the when you meet Bilbo is pretty yeah. whimsical, and then it was the stuff of Bayorn in the middle, and now it's this like stuff with the birds. Yeah, the birds. Um, not to be confused with the famous Hitchcock film. Um, no. <laughs> North by Northwest. <laughs> yes, that one. Throw them off on the train. So, so Thranduil and his people are already on the move with their own mind to claim the treasure. Um, however, they take pity on Lake Town and stop to help the people. But then they, they break into two camps, and so now we have the master, um, because, again, like he's super passive and doesn't want to actually take action and do anything. But we have the master and the women and children and some of the elves staying and rebuilding the town, the lake town, however, a little bit farther up the shore because now everyone's scared of the water yeah. because that's, like, bad memories of dragon. Well, well also, it's cool because they say you can see his bones for, like, yeah. centuries to come. And oh, that's yeah. cool. Nobody like the even, huge ruin of bones. And nobody even, like, went him. down to scavenge the gems that were encrusted in his scales. Yeah. That's cool. That's well, super cool. Because they're all, like, scarred for life from that event, you know, Lots of people died. Um, that was very dismissive, Katie. I, what? You were like, lots of people died. <laughs> For some reason, they're scared. I imagine For it as like, I mean, yeah, I, I feel like it was more like, it was it was so quick that Bard killed them that maybe that many people didn't really, I mean, a lot of people probably died, but not like, what, like, if, so what if actually, like dozens. What, what if more people died because Bard killed them and they all... I thought of that too. Well, pe- well, like when it, cra- when it crashed down, yeah. What if it? People... What if? He, what if he like fell directly into the bard? I mean, into the Lake Town daycare. People did catch cold and and grow ill and die. Oh though, yeah, anyway. it is winter the, and their stores because were running it's, low. Because it's winter, yeah. So you know, people are. Oh, good point. Yeah, dropping like flies. Anyway, um, Man, but Miller anyway, sucks. Right? Sometimes. The rest of the able-bodied men from. Oh, I've from, got it. I've got it. I wrote a song for you. My name's Bard, I only kill dragons. I'm a descendant of Girion. He was the Lord of Dale. All I want to do is kill. I'm sorry. So, anyway, the rest of the able bodied men from Lake Town uh, and most of the dwarves, including Thranduil, uh, unite. Elves. Elves. The rest of the able bodied men from Lake Town, including the elves and Thranduil, become sort of this conglomerate army and they march on the mountain because they're going to get their share of the treasure. And that's what the chapter ends. Uh, yeah, and remember, it, it took two days to, to, to kind of row Yeah, there. we've been given so, this kind of timeline of several days that have passed. So it ta- it'll take several days to march there. So yeah. when we get back to the dwarves, it's like at the end of the previous chapter, and so it's like there still is enough time before... Like, and, and then like they, they sit there and they're kind of like going like, you know, it's been a while. 
expected to see a dragon come back around this point. And nothing's happening now. Is this when the thrush shows back up? Well, so almost. They're they're kind of so. They do see like lights appear in Dale, though. I remember that. At the beginning of this chapter, we're told now let's go back to um, the dwarves and the dwarves and Hobbit are, and we're you know a couple days in the past now. So this is all happening simultaneously, and they the company have all been keeping watch from their outpost that they had found at Ravenhill. And they know that something is up because of all the swarms of birds that are going crazy right now. Um, So, yeah, then the thrush returns to Ravenhill. And the doctor recommended a course of antibiotics. (laughs) (laughs) No. Bilbo kind of points him out, and the thrush starts to sing, and then he kind of stops and waits. And then he sings again, and then he stops and waits. And Balin is like. I think he's trying to tell us something, but I don't speak thrush. (laughs) Now, if it were a raven, I could understand him because dwarves, like, so like the, like the men of Dale are to the thrush, the dwarves are to the raven. They have like this, I don't know, spirit bond or something. So it's so like. Which I love. It's great. It's It's great. So I was thinking about this. So what would your like bird companion be? If so, like if you were from Dale, it would be a thrush. If you were a dwarf, it would be a raven. What would your bird companion be? A hummingbird. A hummingbird. That's pretty good. Flying fox fruit bat. Does that count? No, no that's not that's a bird. Not that's not a bird. That could be your bat companion, but not your. Bird that was more companion. of a joke. <laughs> uh, or maybe I'd be a peregrine falcon. I think yeah, a falcon would be cool. A hawk. I yeah, I'm thinking like. No 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 no, an amber penguin. There you go. Yeah. Yes. Do you fall down and go? <laughs> we never said it had to, to be a flight bird. No, that's it could true. Be a flightless it could bird. be a dodo. Emu. Um, a dodo. Ah. Uh, or an ostrich. Or Tyrannosaurus Rex. A flock of flamingos. A Velociraptor. Mine, mine would be a raptor. We're too smart for our own good. We're, we're smart asses. We're cheating. But anyway, <laughs> the thrush. You know, though they can't understand the thrush, it appears that the thrush can understand them because immediately he flies off and brings back with him this ancient raven that I love. It's like balding. It's super so old, old, too. Yeah, he's it's like so old. 153 or something like that, I think, is how old the bird is. That is old as some of those dwarves. Yeah. So. Um, and the raven's name is Roak, and he is son of Kark, Kark <laughs> who Balin had known back in the day. Um, and I, I like, so Roak is described as a most decrepit old bird. Like feathers are falling off of him. I love it. it just. And like he, he, he's very Exasperated. To, he, he like barely could fly there. Says his name and who his dad is. And he starts coughing when he does it too. Cause it's all those C sounds. <laughs> it's hard C's. Just can't, yep. can't agree with them. Yep. And but the, this, but this one they're able to talk to. And he, yeah. and he basically relays that, you know, Dragon's been killed. Elves are on the move. So are the people from Lake Town. They're coming to Dale. They want to... And and the bird seems slightly more reasonable because mm-hmm. the whole point is this. It's like, you're sitting on so much money, like mm-hmm. so much gold, and these dwarves have seen this and have kind of like taken it upon themselves to be like, this is back to being ours again and it's only ours. Because again, you yeah. know, once dwarves see that amount of treasure, they their hearts instantly become now, corrupted. Now the elves, they can... Screw the elves. Who cares about the elves? <laughs> they like their 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 rationale. I, I don't actually remember necessarily the rationale of the elves to come in and claim or to. I, 
whatever. The elves, I, I don't think they it, have a stake. Some as of much. it, like eons and eons and eons ago, had been created by elves. And also, I feel like they kind of need to save face for accidentally letting 13 prisoners of. Just, that too. Yeah. <laughs> that too. They accidentally lost thirteen. I, I, I feel like these elves in particular are not the type that would be like let bygones be bygones. Like we've been alive for thousands of years. We can't. We can't let stuff go. <laughs> like the people of Dale, though, seems slightly more. It seems slightly more reasonable to be like if we have if we help use this gold to like work out the economic structure of this area. Maybe that will benefit us because we'd be making money off of mm-hmm. that situation as well. Because that seems smart. Because mm-hmm. what we're sitting on. And like the you point, said, the point being is these people are coming. There's a power. There's a power vacuum in the area, mm-hmm. and the dwarves are few, but they're sitting on the gold. Oh, well, they use the ravens to notify Thorin's cousin. Mm-hmm. But also, oh yeah, that you too. Know, yeah, like, they send they send off the raven to go and talk with this guy. But like you said, though, the raven is rather wise because he says, you know, it would behoove you to trust Bard because he wants peace. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it will cost you a little bit of the treasure, but one twelve. Yeah, uh, but you could have peace. Um, so of course Thorin thinks that b- basically looks at this treasure and sees it as his inheritance, and he's going to fight for it, uh, regardless of whatever claim Lake Town people believe that they have. Um, because there is the very good point that there was treasure in Dale that has since been amassed within the mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he send he asks for the ravens to send for his cousin Dane and the Iron Hills and to other dwarves that are scattered throughout the mountains. Um, Does the raven tell them about the, the the three of the ponies were actually fine? Cooper, that's that's a first name. That is also a profession. Oh, good point. <laughs> yeah. Um, they yeah they they found three ponies still. Um, and of course, poor little Bilbo is listening to, to all this right now. Huh, and he's like, I'm huh, hungry. Huh. Yeah, he's, he's like, I'm hungry. But also, he had kind of wrongfully assumed that the whole adventure part was over now that the dragon was Yeah, that's was true. Dead. He was like, I think, you know, hey, we killed the dragon. There's treasure here. And I thought we were done with adventure. And I get a 14th of this thing anyway. Right? So. But unfortunately, Thorin is like, no. And they all kind of wait and watch as Bard and uh, some elvish representatives approach. And at first they're very calm about it. They're just like, you know, open up. And then they've blocked up the main door and have figured out that the only entrance and exit of the mountain is the main door because Smog has destroyed all of them. Right. And so they have basically used big stones to block up this place. And like they use like a word like, like they almost like there's one later, I think, where they almost like an elf like pokes fun. It's like you have fenced yourself in mm-hmm. something along well, those lines. Yeah, because they they completely like refortify the front gate and basically bar- barricade themselves in the mountain. I remember now. It's a messenger comes up and yeah. they shoot an arrow at him, and he like he like he like I just imagine him being like very professional and stuff, and then he like throws out some wit at them like mm-hmm. why'd you do, why'd you do that? <laughs> well, yeah. So the armies come up and they stop at the gate and. They they kind of don't do anything for a while. They mm-hmm. go and like feast and be merry and all that. They set up camps and, and stuff, set up yeah. camps. And Bilbo and some of the younger oh, yeah, dwarves yeah. are kind of watching and they're like, I want to join yeah, them. Just... Can't we just be friends? <laughs> um, but of course, Thorin doesn't feel the same, and he is getting like angrier and angrier. Um, and so the dwarves, hoping to. Uh, hoping to make him 
lighten up a little bit, decide to sing a song. Oh, yeah. And they sing a song that's very similar to the Song of the Lonely Mountain. And it goes, I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. I'd like to give But that tune, but dealing with being stuck in a mountain forever. As envisioned by um, meditating Don Draper. <laughs> Actually, it's a song about how the king is back under the mountain can and I, the dragon I, has been killed and very, they want their kin to come home. Can I make a very heretical admission? I need you to sit on your hands before I do this because you're going to strangle me. <laughs> I don't read the songs. You should read the songs because I they're important. Skip the songs. I read the songs. You should you should always read the songs. You should always read the songs. If you're listening, you should be reading the songs. You should read the songs. You should be singing the songs out loud. I usually read like the first stanza and then I just skip. No. You should read them. And they've been they're eating creme as well because they still have mm -hmm. more Cram. of that cram. You said creme. Like, cram. Like, like creme fraiche. Yes, yeah, exactly. My bad. They're eating creme fraiche. So they're singing this song, and basically the song, it's, it's kind of important too, because in the song, they're, uh, you know, so the king's back under the mountain, they, the dragon is dead, um, their kin should come home, and so then uh, the force of the dwarves will be undefeatable, and anyone who dares to fight them will fall. So Bilbo listens to all this, the, you know, Thorin is, is cheered by this, and the rest of the dwarves are kind of all in a better mood too. Bilbo hears it and is very disheartened because all of this sounds like war to him. Um, and he doesn't like the sound of that at all, of course. So Bilbo sings his own song. No, he and doesn't. And it goes, war, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. No, he doesn't. He just sits there and sulks. Um, but the next morning, the uh, messengers come come out uh, with the banner of day of uh, Lake Town and the banner of the Elven King, and Thorin asks them who they are and why they have come here armed for war. And Bard basically says, "Hey, we're not your enemies. We're just here. Um, we want to talk to you. We want to come to an agreement." Uh, he says, I killed Smaug, and Lake Town has been destroyed. Um, and so then he asks that, that the dwarves be generous with their treasure and share it to help rebuild Lake Town. Yes, as, as it was us who took care of the dragon for you. And as it was us who helped you on your way and gave you supplies and welcomed you. Um, also, remember that some of that treasure did belong to Girion of Dale, so by virtue of being his descendant, Bard is entitled to some of it. Did you just say Dirion of Gale? No, I said Girion of Dale. Oh, my brain wires are swapped. <laughs> so Bilbo, of course, is listening to this and thinks that's all fair and true. But, but Thorin says, now you see, we gotta give wealth to the job makers because then it'll trickle down. <laughs> so you just sit there and be happy and eventually you'll be rich too. <laughs> but actually Thorin just flat out refuses. Yeah, this is a lot more political than I remember The Hobbit being. Mm -hmm. Well, and this is, we now have the dwarves. That's one army. Mm -hmm. Army, in quotes. We have the elves, two armies. We have the humans left over from Lake Town, so that's a third army. So we got two more armies that need to show up. <laughs> now, I know, what, I know what one of them is. I always feel like one of them was made up for the movie, but I don't know that for sure. No, the orcs are. The, are they, well, you'll see. 
Okay. You're gonna read the book. I, I've, 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 like I said, I've seen Battle of Five Armies. Everything I saw in the movie was stupid, so I didn't know what was in the book or what was made up for the movie. So, but the Fifth Army is the Eagles. Spoiler alert! Oh, sorry. I thought I didn't you... know. I, I, I didn't know that. I just that means the movie has like six or seven armies. Then whatever. The movie's stupid. Ugh. We're gonna come to that later. So anyway. Thorin says he's not giving any money to anyone who comes armed for war, and certainly not to any elves, because he's no friend of elves. Which, actually, actually, like, not giving stuff to people for armed, uh, sorry, not giving stuff to people who are armed for war makes sense. That's mm-hmm. reasonable. It was just like, the way he was saying it kind of thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so Bard basically says, I'll give you time to reconsider. And when he sends back a messenger... Um, who basically gives him terms. He gives Thorin terms. He says, you will give us one-twelfth of the portion, and with th- that goes to Bard, and Bard will use some of that money to help Esgaroth, and if Thorin wants to be friends with people from Esgaroth, he will give to them as well, um, and then he will have an ally in them. But of course, Thorin is stubborn and will not change his mind, and he shoots an arrow at the messenger's shield. So now they're like, okay, well... The mountain is now declared besieged, and no one can come in or out um, without being captured or killed. Basically, like, none of the dwarves dare to go against Thorin, and poor little Bilbo, of course, is very unhappy because this is sounding even more and more like war, but, and he would gladly share the treasure, but, again, he doesn't really have a say in the matter. Nope. Because he's just a little hobbit. Just a little hobbit, and he's tired of being in the mountain, and he's tired of eating cram, and... He's tired of being on an adventure because it's getting more and more dangerous sounding and This is more is getting not... like real life now. <laughs> he thought it was over. And he still has to get back to the Shire. Yep. So we're at, we, we end this chapter at, you know, just rising tensions. The Battle of the Five Armies is like the next thing. It's imminent. It's pretty soon. And we also have like 15% of the, like, way less than that. We've got like... We got like ten percent of this book left. Like there's yeah. so yeah, we little might want to compress our reading schedule for the rest of the book. You think so? Maybe not. I don't know. I it just depends. Like, Katie's giving me eyes. Maybe not. I mean, I don't mind. No, she's shrugging. <laughs> I actually went ahead and started reading the next chapter. By the way, I also started reading the first chapter, Fellowship of the Ring, and then I realized maybe I shouldn't do this because some of the stuff is not making sense. Don't do that. Yeah, I shouldn't do that. I should have <laughs> learned my lesson. But yeah, that's. That bit was interesting. The, this these this chapter sections were very interesting, mm-hmm. and a lot of pieces were moving into place, and a lot of stuff that Bard got introduced pretty quickly. Yep. In one chapter, and then, in fact, I got to the point where I was starting to think maybe Bard doesn't exist. This is also <laughs> coming from my perception. I had seen the movie before I read this book, so I'm like, maybe Bard wasn't something in the book. I actually started to think that after a while. And again, that's why that's something. That's why I understand uh, in uh, Desolation of Smaug. I understand why we were kind of Wove introduced to Bard sooner mm-hmm. and given him more importance and more of a character to make us kind of like him a little bit more because he is important. In um, retrospect, that was a positive. Just, addition. Yeah, it makes that was sense. a positive addition. It's just that. Um, so much other stuff. Who played him? Ugh, bad. Lee Evans? Uh, is that his name? No, I forget what his Luke name Evans. was. Luke Evans. I see, I, I get him and, and Lee Pace mixed up because they kind of look alike. What are you talking about? He's like Orlando Bloom's twin. 
Luke Evans. Yeah, actually, when I was first watching Desolation of Smog, I kept getting them mixed up. Granted, Lee Pace plays Orlando Bloom's father, so... it's They made all those guys look really similar, for some reason. <laughs> they should have they should have they should have hired like Iggy Pop. But you know what Luke Evans was really good in? Fast and Furious Six. Yes, and Dracula Untold. Which is surprisingly a terrible movie, but kind of enjoyable because it's so terrible. So that's the Dracula movie that Keanu Reeves' performance in Bram Stoker's Stoker's Dracula belongs in. You know the nineteen ninety three one? Yeah, no, yeah, I know. Everybody says that. Like, it's an amazing movie, except Keanu Reeves is so bad he breaks the movie. The only thing that's really good about that Dracula is the lack of visual effects and Gary Oldman. But the best is the, but still the best is the horror of Dracula. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) that's the best Dracula movie is horror of Dracula because he can't beat Christopher Lee. This is true. True. Nobody could beat him. He never got beat in a fight. This is true. He broke people in half who fought him. He did get backstabbed and then died. That's true. But anyway, anyway. So yeah. yeah, now we've reached the kind of political tension point of the book. Um, and to set up the weird battle stuff at the end of this, too. And now yeah. I really can't help but wonder like, how much of this is kind of a response to, to, to World War One. Oh, all of it. I've just yeah. like, never thought about doing yeah. it. Politi- you, should, you should ask your Oh, mom. you should. Uh, okay. Wait. Tolkien puts so much of his war experience into these books. You know, this, this, these, he he was he was inspired to write most of this while in the trenches. Yeah, he the, wrote he wrote um, the tale of Gondolin and the trenches. This yeah, yep. I could totally see that because if this book is reminiscent of World War One, the next one is very much reminiscent of World War Two because, like, well, but they came out well, during but it the was, war. Yeah, they it was it, it was written before the second. War. Oh, was yeah. The yeah. Lord of the Rings. All right, then I'm way off. Lord then. of the Rings was published during the war. Yeah, having my perspective as someone who has grown up after World War II, <laughs> I can very much perceive that reading on top of it. What the ring is the bomb? Well, more of like you know Sauron being representation of like tyrannical, like land grabby dictatorship. You know. <laughs> All Sauron needed was breathing room. Yeah, <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't fueled by a millennia old hatred of, of creation. The the the, yeah, I don't know. I, I, you also can make a comparison. Lord of the Rings is kind of like high school, but that's just me. <laughs> On that note, what was your favorite part? Um, huh. Mine was when the thrush comes and tries to talk to the dwarves. And Balin is like, I can't understand thrushes. If only there was a raven. What is and this then, thing doing? And then the, the, the thrush goes and gets the raven, and the raven speaks. But the raven just speaks in plain, well, the, like, yeah, common tongue. Yeah, the raven tongue can speak in common tongue. That's because so... Bilbo can understand it. And yeah. I'm like, what is going on here? Am I in the tiki room? Is this Disneyland? <laughs> there are, there are the animals that can speak before. And we've, you know, the eagles. The eagles uh, true. Has and um, yeah. Radagrass the Brown and his little porcupine friends. <laughs> But we haven't actually touched upon that. I know, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, um, uh, well, you stole mine, because that's also one of my favorite parts. Hey, um, that's my favorite part, too. We can just all have a three-way, right. like, we all agree uh, on that. And But my reasoning for it, though, is that, again, like, that we have this, like, fun, like, sort of whimsical little insertion of culture slash history of all of these people. Like, again, I love that there are, like, certain birds that associate with different groups of people. 
I'm trying to remember. Yeah, that's great. Like the Emperor Penguin. Like the Emperor Penguin. I'm trying to remember if the Thrush stuff actually made it into the Battle of Five Armies because I actually don't remember any of that. I also don't remember much of Battle of Five Armies because it's so damn forgettable. Yep. Well, on that note, we will see you next week. You can find us online, Talking Tolkien, on Twitter and Facebook, TalkingTolkien.com, Talking Tolkien in iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, shoot us an email at the professor at Talking Tolkien and give us all of your money at <laughs> Patreon.com slash Talking Tolkien. I'm Chase. Give us all of your money or just share our page. We like that too. <laughs> I'm Chase. I'm John. I'm Katie. Bye. Bye-bye. I got chicken ready. It smells heavenly. I know. I mean, yeah, I grew up. I, I, I mean, I grew up with bloody noses constantly yeah, because too. of pressure changes and stuff like that. So I got so used to the taste of my own blood because it would like run down my throat and stuff. Yeah. So like people would like talk about being grossed out by that. I'm like, I'm so used to it. I don't really barely even notice it. It, it. it tastes. What's really weird. gross is vomiting like blood. No, that's, I've had that experience too. That, that's, that's rough. Something that's that rough. Shouldn't happen. If you're vomiting blood, you should seek. Well, if you're vomiting Medical blood, attention. it's probably because you had a nosebleed and you swallowed too much blood in your body. That happened to me at football True. once, actually. I was in football practice and that happened. That was that was literally the last day <laughs> I ever played. I was ever at a football practice or played football. I, I was like, <laughs> I'm done. And I managed to paint the locker room, the junior high locker room, with my vomit. At least you went out with style. I painted like in a wall of one of the hallways. So it was just like... <laughs> All over the place. It was this one time an experience. This one time in ninth grade health class, <laughs> we were. She was. She was doing that. You know, abstinence only scare lecture about how STDs. Now, the only way to test for gonorrhea or chlamydia is to jab a Q-tip down your urethra. False, by the way. <laughs> and she was going into such grotesque details that I actually like just got up out of the room and started running to the bathroom without asking or saying anything. And I vomited right in the threshold of the door. Nice. So everyone's got a good high school and then throw up story. I got sent home. Later that day, somebody I knew, like, oh my god, did you hear about that kid who threw up in health class? Yeah, like, no that was me. I was like, this is the only time the gossip mill in high school has actually proved to be anything true. <laughs> and then, uh, weirdly enough, like a few weeks later, I vomited while having a discussion about 28 days later. <laughs> so there was this, like, three-week window in my life where I vomited about grotesque conversations. <laughs> Both times, I was, like, sucking on a breath mint, so I have, I wonder if, like, that had something to do with it, but... You know, I've never, I've never had a, I've never thrown up because of anything like that, but I have been, th I, I've had one movie make me throw up. Um, um, Cloverfield made me throw up. That made me feel weird, but I definitely didn't throw up. That was, I mean, the, there's a difference between motion sickness. Like, this was like, what was happening on screen was so grotesque, I actually threw up. Yeah. Because, Cannibal Holocaust. Yes, Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah, I remember Cannibal that. Ho 
Camelotus was so grotesque and I was so became so overly sensitive to violence and gore for a while there. Mm-hmm. Like um when saw Tropic Thunder and the part where the director blows up. <laughs> oh, I actually was, I was actually about to leave the theater. I was like, I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Yeah, and I he like licks movie. the hand. Yeah, everyone's, everyone's laughing. And I'm sitting there going, like, <laughs> See, you I, had a different experience of that, though. Yeah. <laughs> because of the previous where it's, it's just Steve Coogan plays Wes Anderson. Yeah. You know, the only time I've ever seen that movie is in theaters. Yeah, me too. I own it on DVD because I love it. I remember loving it. I just, that's... Mm-hmm. I, I, I saw it the same day. It was like the third or fourth time I saw The Dark Knight. And then I went and saw Tropic Thunder. I was by myself. I was just like, I'm bored. So I just yeah. want to watch a bunch of, bunch of movies in theaters. And I think I also saw... Was that the summer of Land of the Lost? Or was that the next summer? I don't even barely remember that movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Will Ferrell... Yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, Michael yeah. G. Keenan did the music for it, and the score is actually pretty good. That movie. It's got that weird, like, banjo bit. And Le- and, and Leonard Nimoy's in that movie, too. That's right. Yeah. Aww. Aww, we got to sync up audio. Why <laughs> 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 we all start doing this? Five, because we four, suck at life. Three, two, one. Perfect. That was pretty good. I made close. a fart sound after. Once again, with our level of maturity. Uh, (laughs) Welcome to Talking Tolkien.